The following message is from the 2017 IBCD Institute, Addictions, Grace for the Journey. I want to define instant gratification so that we're all on the same page. So instant gratification is satisfying a desire immediately without delay or deferment. It is satisfying short-term pleasure instead of enduring the pain of long-term gain. It is the difference between those who have the mindset of strike while the iron is hot versus good things come to those who wait. So strike while the iron's hot. Let me give you an example. Say like the mortgage interest rates are really, really low and people are telling you, you better go buy a house now. You have to get it now. Go get a mortgage now. But are you in a position to get a mortgage? It's like you're, uh, you haven't saved. You uh, are still in a lease. You can't get out of, you have to pay to get out of it. And you're in tremendous debt. Is it the best time to rush and get this? So you have to think wisely. So good things come to those who wait would mean save money while you're waiting, while you're waiting for your lease to end and definitely get out of debt and then you'll be ready for that mortgage. And you have to trust God for the mortgage rate and providing. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about different categories of instant gratification so that you will, so I'm, I, hopefully I will touch on all of you. Are there any biblical counselors in here, like certified biblical counselors? Okay, um, what about, are there any people in here who have people come to you for advice? Do people ever ask you for advice? Everybody's hands should be, okay, we're all biblical counselors, okay? So this pertains to everyone. So let's look, think of categories. Relationships, for instance. Say like um, a 30-year-old is desperate to get married and she wants it and she wants it now. So then she decides, oh, here's a guy. Um, He kind of goes to church. Uh, He kind of talks about God. Hey, but he's a warm body. Let's, you know, I'm going to get married. You know, um, finances, like I said, wanting to buy a home and not ready. Um, Help. You want answers um, and relief from your pain, and you'll do anything, you'll see, see anyone to get that relief. Career, wanting a promotion. And you just got out of school, and you're wanting to get that next promotion. You got five people ahead of you with so much experience, and you actually expect that you're gonna get a promotion in three months. Not gonna happen. Um, spiritual, now this is a big thing. Can't hear me. Okay, <laughs> spiritually speaking, how does it affect your prayer life? Think about that. If you are addicted or prone to instant gratification, how is that affecting your prayer life? Are you patient enough to wait for God to answer that prayer? Um, usually we're like, uh, it's been like three days. I'm moving on to make something happen myself. That's usually how it affects us. So do you guys remember the Stanford Marshall experiment in the 60s? This is the marshmallow experiment where they studied uh, a group of six to four-year-olds, four to six-year-olds, and they were given a marshmallow and they were left in the room for like 15 minutes. And the test or the choice, they were given a choice, you could eat it now or you can wait 15 minutes and get Two marshmallows. Okay, ladies, pretend this is chocolate. Okay, so <laughs> you can relate to that. Because I don't like marshmallows, but 
Um, so what happened was, we're talking about the instant gratification kids versus the delayed gratification kids. So how can we tell? How, did, how could they tell? So the little kids, it was on the plate, and they were looking at it like, it looks good. They weren't touching it. They were looking at the door, waiting for the lady to come in. It's like, what can I do? Going to smell it, going to lick it. And one of them took a little thing and ate little peas. <laughs> one took a half a bite and put it back. So those were the instant gratification kids. Um, so I will tell you about the delayed gratification kids later on. So instant gratification, it is a mindset. And this is very powerful. It is a mindset. So let's talk about how our minds are affected. How do we think? We are so confident. Proverbs 14.12 says, there's a way which seems right to a man. Okay, guys who came in later, um, I have a lot of notes, and I will email you the PowerPoint if you want it. My email is holyliving2000 at yahoo.com. Holyliving2000 at yahoo.com. So we are so confident. There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Think of investments um, that turn out to be a scam. I don't know if you guys saw the show American Greed. Seen that before? It has so many sad stories. For instance, um, people who are at the retirement age, you know, they're not quite ready for it, doesn't have enough money. So here comes a smooth talking guy who seems uh, credible. And he's like, I can make, yeah, I can double your money in a year. Just invest your money with me. And they trust him, and they have his, all these references, and they give all their money to this guy. And, but, you know, it's, it's working. Every year, my money's doubling. It's been three years, and it's doubled. I'm going to stick with this guy. This is working. I'm getting my money instantly, faster than normal. Then one day, this guy um, is running out of money, his scam is not working, and the retired people are saying, where's my check? It didn't come. Okay, well, maybe, he's, maybe it's late, maybe it got lost in the mail. It's a month, two months, three months, and they found out that the guy, the building is empty, the guy's been arrested, and they've lost everything. But they were confident, they were very confident in what they were doing. So we are so sincere, but we can be sincerely wrong. Proverbs 4.23, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. The heart is the seat of affections, it's the feelings. And as, think of the physical heart, how the physical heart pumps out blood to the rest of the body and nourishes it. Um, we depend on that. So just like, so our, our moral heart, it, it, it is influenced by how we think and what we do. So it's important to know that our feelings and our, what our feelings are and that we have to be diligent to guard that because everything comes out of that. Mark 7 talks about the sinful things that come out of the heart. When we are walking in the spirit, and we'll talk about that later, godly things will come from the heart. But we are so sincere that sometimes we are just sincerely wrong. We are also deceptive. We are deceptive. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as, for, as he thinks within himself, so is he. He says to you, eat, drink, but his heart is not with you. Let me read it in context. I'm going to read 6, 7, and 8. And this is in the context of uh, talking about wealth. Do not eat the bread of a selfish man or desire his delicacies. For as he thinks within himself, so is he. He says to you, eat and drink, but his heart is not with you. 
you will vomit up the morsel you have eaten and waste your compliments. So <laughs> this is a man who feigned generosity to gain something, and in this context, wealth. Um, he didn't even care about the people um, who he was feeding. He just wanted something from them. So are we willing to deceive others in order to get what we want now? That's the subtlety of sin. So instant gratification is also a habit. It's how we act. James 1, 14 through 15, but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Let's break that down a little bit. We are, when we are tempted, we are carried away and enticed. We are drawn away from God and towards the thing that we want. So sometimes we don't realize that. We think, I'm still with God, but also I'm going to grab this thing here. We're thinking God is coming along with us. That's not true. External objects presents itself as desirable, like a fish drawn to bait. And also, lust is conceived, and lust is a desire. A desire is that feeling of wanting to be satisfied. It's an insatiable craving that comes to life. Conception means life has happened. So now it's, it's in you, it's alive in you, and the desire is yielded to instead of being resisted. If you think about it, this first state, I don't know if you can see this little green light, but I'm pointing to carried away and enticed. That's a moment where sin can be stopped. And also lust is conceived. At that moment, sin can be stopped because you're not at the per- place where it is, has given birth. And that's the next stage. This, is meaning, this means that sin is not just an act or just an event. Sin is a process. So it started somewhere. It didn't just happen. For instance, you don't just fall into adultery. You don't just fall into gluttony. You don't just fall into uh, being addicted to alcohol. There's a story. So as counselors, and as we all are counselors, we determine whether you're certified or not. Um, If someone comes to you and they're addicted to something, you can't just say, stop it, get over it, make a better choice. You have to find out where that came from to get back to the root. It came from somewhere over time. You kind of like have to unpeel it back, peel back the layers. Also, um, sin is accomplished. This means its purpose has been fulfilled. It is a done deed, which leads to death. So this damages your soul, your mind, your body. So sin is ugly. Next, instant gratification is an opportunity of how we desire. We make it happen. We will make it happen. Romans 13, 14 says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lust. What I like to do with scripture passages to really get it in my brain. So I read it first, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. And then I kind of look at the flip side of it. So what are we, what's the flip side? We are trying to make something happen by making provision for the flesh. And what do we need to do to avoid that or to overcome that is to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember uh, James chapter one we just read? So we began to make preparations to be gratified. So this is premeditated, this is a plan. Also, we want what others have. James 4.4 says, you adulteresses, do not 
Do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. This demonstrates having a heart that is a friend with the world's values and lifestyles. It is enjoying everything that the world has to offer, which can put you in a dangerous position. So becoming friends with the world, God says, you're making yourself an enemy with him because you're not thinking of his values, not living according to his values, but the world's values. For instance, um, there was a big women's march happening some time ago. And um, of course, there were some Christian churches organizing to uh, go down there and participate. What were their values? Were they godly values? I mean, I believe in women's rights, but were they godly values ultimately? I think a lot of bad stuff came out of that with with some reports. But just saying you have to be careful with um, what values and lifestyles you are following and maybe calling it godly. So how is instant gratification a trap? A trap is something by which one is caught or stopped unawares. So I'm going to break it down with, uh, from having a conflict with the mind, a conflict with the soul, and a conflict with the heart. Remember, as counselors, we have to break things down. We have to find out where it's coming from. So first, a conflict with the mind, one of the examples would be deception. So it's believing what is not true. We look at things outwardly, okay, forget this scripture verse and replace it with 1 Samuel 16, 7. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I don't know if you guys were here for Chris uh, Moles' uh, pre-conference. He spoke of a pastor who was a great speaker, great administrator, but he had a little secret. He had an issue with anger and that led to violence. But, you know, the people, elders knew about it, but they didn't want to get rid of him because he was a great speaker. Everybody was coming to hear him him preach. Um, So that is a huge oversight that happens in the church a lot. So we value the things that are outward. God looks at the heart. Next, we believe God is with us. We sincerely believe God is with us in our sin. Romans 1:28 says, and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. Any longer means there was a process happening. So let me read this quote from the 70s. A secular writer doing an article on the emerging church movement, remember that, and post-modern Christianity, summed up the character of the movement this way. What makes a post-modern ministry so easy to embrace is that, is that it doesn't demonize youth culture, Marilyn Manson, South Park, or gangster rap, for example, like traditional fundamentalists. Post-modern congregants aren't challenged to reject the outside world. And that was in 1977. So we also can think of other topics that churches are not sure about, homosexuality and abortion. They're beginning to change their views, but they're church, so they believe God is with them, and they're not really reading his word. The next one is, did you guys see this? 
This is what I just read. Sorry. <laughs> and the second Corinthians 10 to 1 was the one to ignore. It was, what did I say? First Samuel 16, 7. 1 Samuel 16, 7. Okay, let's move on to self-sabotage. This is conflict of the soul. And I'm just going to give you kind of a general description definition of self-sabotage. Behavior is said to be self-sabotaging when it creates problems and interferes with long-term goals. The most common self-sabotaging behaviors are procrastination, self-medication with drugs or alcohol, comfort eating, and forms of self-injury such as cutting. These acts may seem helpful in the moment, but they ultimately undermine us, especially when we engage in them repeatedly. Remember, um, I have, you can have my notes. If you want them, I'll email, email them to you. So conflict of the soul. We go against our spiritual values. Galatians 5, 17 through 21. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that, are, that you please. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are the whole list, immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, on and on and on. Uh, just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of, of God. So we deliberately destroy ourselves to the core by engaging in things that are not godly. That we think, oh, it's just a light thing. It's not going to matter. But in terms of instant gratification, you know, we pick up our phones and when we wake up in the morning, first thing, let me check this, okay? And then <laughs> in the middle of work, <laughs> in the middle, she's going to shout in a minute. <laughs> in the middle of work, you know, we stop and like, let me check this or I got a text message. I have to see it now. Uh, I hope you don't do this while you're driving. I, I, got, I bought my daughter a five-speed car so she cannot. She can't shift and look and text at the same time. So hint, hint. It's one way. <laughs> but think of the subtle ways that we let instant gratification get in the way of honoring God first. These are the subtle things that we Christians get away with in our, in our own thinking. So also, instant gratification is a conflict of the heart, idolatry, worship of something else other than God. You may think, I'm a Christian. I'm not worship. I don't worship anything else but God. Let's see. So we trust in our own understanding. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. I'm not worshiping myself. That's silly. Well, what do you think it is when you are trusting in your own understanding? Are you trusting in God? You can't trust in yourself and God. Think of here I am trusting in myself, but I want to trust in God. There's no way it's going to be like this. One will win over the other. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Next, we trust our own hearts. In Matthew 7, 20 through 23, that which proceeds out of out of man, that is what defiles the man, from, from within, out of the heart of man, proceed the evil thoughts, fornication, thefts, murders, adulteries. And you may think, wait, that's not, I don't do any of that stuff. Well, let's go back to this first one. Evil thoughts. 
you can't really deny having evil thoughts. You may not fornicate, commit adultery, or steal, or murder someone, but I think we're all guilty of evil thoughts. Um, so that's one way we're trusting in our own hearts. So instant gratification in the Bible. So this is interesting to just go through the Bible and see where you can find instant gratification. So I'm going to quickly go through Genesis 3, 1 through 7. But the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God made. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. The woman said to the serpent, for from the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the trees, which is in the middle of the garden, God said, you shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. For God knows in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Key verse here, verse 6. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate and she gave it also to her husband who was with her and he ate. So let's think about Satan's strategies. Satan has three main strategies. He has a lot, but this is pointed out here and it's pointed out also in Matthew 4, which we'll talk about later. So, um, and I can't remember the scripture, I think it's in John chapter 2 where it talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. Um, Do anyone know where that is? 1 John chapter 2, 17, 16, 17, something like that. Okay, so the lust of the flesh, so the tree was good for food. That's what Eve was understanding. She was not starving for food because there was plenty in the garden from the other trees, but she had a lust for the forbidden fruit. The lust of the eyes, it was a delight to the eyes. She was attracted to this forbidden fruit. She took pleasure in its beauty. The boastful pride of life, the tree was desirable to make one wise. Eve wanted the secret knowledge that would give her great wisdom in all things just like God. So this is a quote from John MacArthur. All three characteristics took Eve's heart. It was not overt rebellion against God, but seduction and deception to make her believe her act was the right thing to do. So we have to, as counselors and counseling ourselves, we have to be aware of the subtleties that Satan uses. Um, I mean, it seems so subtle what Eve was doing. Well, it's no big deal, really, seem, seemingly. But it really was. The lust of the flesh is huge. The lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. We have to remember those categories so we can identify our sin because Satan is deceptive. will make us think that we don't sin. So next one, taking matters into your own hands, is found in the story of Abram and Sarai, Genesis uh, 16, not going to read the whole thing, (laughs) just going to point out some things. Uh, So just to refresh your memory about the story, it had been 10 years, they were in the land of Canaan, and uh, Sarai was still barren. She was becoming impatient. And she said in verse 2, 16 verse 2, So Sarai said to Abram, Now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I will obtain children through her. 
And he listened to her. And after 10 years, uh, Abram's wife, Sarai, took Hagar, her maid, and gave her to her husband as his wife. And she conceived, and after she conceived, um, Hagar got uh, really despised Sarai, and Sarai got upset. She blamed Abram, and he said, do with her what you want, and he, she treated her harshly and kicked her out. So let's talk about what happened here. First, the truth. The Lord has prevented me from bearing children. What does that mean? What does that say about her belief in God in that one statement? that God is sovereign. She knows that God is sovereign. She knows that God controls uh, when a child is conceived and how a child is conceived and whatever. She knows that God is sovereign. So she took that truth and like, okay, I'm gonna lay that to the side. I'm gonna make it happen. I'm gonna take matters into my own hands. And in continuing in verse two, she said, please go into my maid. I don't think she's like, Please, pretty please. I think she was desperate. Please, Abram. You know how 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 this how this nation views me, how this community views me of not having any children. Please do this for me if you love me. And he's like, okay. And he did. And now, you know, the result is first she used manipulation by saying, please, please, please. Desperation. That's a that's a hint of of, of caution. If you're desperate, don't make a decision while you're desperate. Um, and also notice if anybody else is trying to make a decision when they're desperate. Um, gently warn them that that's a dangerous place to be. So that she, she used manipulation and she did it her way. Perhaps I will obtain children through her. That was her bright idea. And negative consequences happened. So, and not only that, we know the story of Ishmael and how we are suffering with that today. So next, um, an example of instant gratification in the Bible is a man of the wild. That's Esau and his birthright. I think you remember that story where he was out hunting. It was probably hot and sweaty. He was thirsty. He was starving. He was famished. And apparently he wasn't that far away because he came back home and there was Isaac cooking this red stew. Smelling it, he was in the moment, I need to gratify my flesh right now. Please give me some of your stew. Of course, Isaac being the manipulator he is, remember, Esau is in a desperate situation. Be careful. So he was willing to give up his birthright, and he did, just so he can fill his belly and satisfy his starvation, which, you know, if he had stayed out there a few days, he probably would have died. But he was right there at home and could have grabbed something to eat or taken the, they didn't have McDonald's, they didn't have a microwave, but at least he could have grabbed something to chew on or just waited for somebody to cook something. So he sold his birthright instead. So Esau was hungry, he sought instant gratification. He made a permanent decision based on a temporary situation out of desperation. And he was susceptible to manipulation by his brother. So beware of desperation. Another example is uh, Peter and his sword, a rebel with a cause. And that is found in John 18, 1 through 11. Not reading the whole thing, just going to point out some stuff. So this was the story. Okay, I'm going to start in 8. Uh, Jesus said, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these go their way. And this is significant. Jesus said, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, 
let these go their way. Who are these? His disciples. To fulfill the word which he spoke of those whom you have given me, I lost not one. So Jesus was their protector. Simon Peter, then having a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave, and cut off his ear, and the slave's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put the sword into the sheath, the cup which the Father has given me, shall I not drink it? Mm. So Peter acts before he thinks, right? And we have many examples, other examples of Peter acting before he thinks. And also, Jesus displayed his protection for his disciples. I mean, that was very a key factor in that scenario. And Peter steps out of Jesus's protection to take on the enemy himself. How many times do we do that? Not really realizing, but when we take matters into our own hands, we decide on this is what I want to do um, to make this happen. Uh, Jesus is just standing there. I'm going to do something. And here's just a quote from a pastor. We're so much like Peter, the Lord says to us, I'll protect you, I'll protect you, just relax, stay where you are, I will protect you. You don't need to grab your own sword and hack your way through the world. I'll take care of you, I'll take care of you. We need to hear that from Jesus. Okay, what is delayed gratification? So we're halfway there. How much, how am I doing on time? You're good? Okay. Delay gratification is the ability to resist a smaller but immediate reward while waiting for a larger, more enduring reward in the future. Remember the kiddos with the marshmallow experiment? So they studied them through adolescence. Those who delay gratification, okay, this is just the generalized study of what they found. Those who delay gratification were psychologically better adjusted. They were more dependable persons more self-motivated as high school students, had better grades on standardized test scores as well. So the point is, delayed gratification is a part of your character, is a part of your godly character. So if delayed gratification is a part of your godly character, what is instant gratification characterized as? I didn't say it. Somebody here said it. So, so delayed gratification, it is a mindset. Again, a mindset. We are consumed with daily distractions. Colossians 3.2. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. Remember, I like to look at the scripture and then flip it. So, we're set, okay, set your mind on things above. If I'm not setting my, thing, my mind on things above, I'm setting my mind on things on the earth. What does that mean? I am distracted by daily things. So you can tell people about the gospel all you want. But if your life is marked by anxiety and fear, they will not believe you have anything they need. They will question the power and love of the Lord. So setting your mind on things above helps you to be a witness to the glories of Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, because you're not walking in anxiety. You're not walking in fear. You're not worried just like everyone else. Next, we are conformed to the world's way of life, Romans 12, 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So how do we are conformed to the world's way of life, to the lifestyle. We talked about that earlier. We dwell on things that are contrary to God's word. What does that mean? Philippians 4, 8. 
Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, right, pure, lovely, good repute, if there's any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. What do we tend to dwell on? The negative. The negative. Well, give me some specifics, like, <clears throat> oh, um, yeah, she says, I look terrible. Yes, because you're on uh, Facebook and you're looking at all these happy story moments, right? Mm-hmm. Thinking that, oh, she's, she has just a glorious life every moment of her day. My life is not like that. And you're so distracted by that. Where is godliness in that? Um, what else? Uh, finances. Uh, say like, oh, there's a big medical bill and I'm, I have my budget here, but this does not fit in my budget. How is this going to happen? So we worry about things um, and not thinking about things from God's perspective in the sense that, okay, if you are worried about that, that, you know, what is it, Philippians is above this, Philippians 4, above 8, where it talks about, and we're going to talk about that later, where you take that to the Lord in prayer and thanksgiving giving and what that means and how he will bring peace to you and waiting on his answer. Next, um, delayed gratification is a virtue. How we act. We pursue things that will not last. 1 Corinthians 9.25, everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we and imperishable. So putting your effort in pursuing a desire that will perish versus the imperishable. For instance, um, today we have our kids in millions of activities. Um, Parents are running ragged here and there, um, losing family time because a kid has football practice, another one has soccer, cheerleading, dance, parents split up to follow the kids all over the place. Um, We are putting things um, that's important last, the things that are godly, the things that's perishable. You know, by the time the kid gets into college or even out of college, they're not going to remember exactly how they did on the football team or the soccer game or cheerleading. I know my daughter, who has been involved in dance, you know, when she becomes my age, because <laughs> I was a cheerleader, I ran track, I don't remember that. I remember we did go to state, a track team went to state, but I, my memory is vague about that. But it was a big deal back then, but it's not now, because I, I am more focused on things that are imperishable, the important things. So we give in to the pressures of life. Second Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and discipline. Living for the expectations of society, friends, families, that's, those are the pressures of life that we focus on instead of what we are supposed to focus on in which God has given us the spirit of power, love, and discipline in ways that will glorify him instead of trying to please other people the wrong way. Delay gratification is also an opportunity. How we desire. We expect God to bless our own desires. Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Remember, here we are trying to get our desires up here, but you're saying, I want to delight myself in the Lord. I I just, I'm struggling. I, I just want to delight in him more. But this is still up here. 
and you're trying to delight, it's not going to work. So you are delighting in the Lord. As you are delighting in the Lord, you are dying to yourself. That's what happens. As you are delighting in the Lord, you are dying to yourself because the two, you can't worship the two. So when you think about, I'm just kind of dry, my quiet time is kind of dry. I, I, I just don't have the passion that I used to, the motivation I used to for the Lord. Well, look at your life, examine your life. What are you holding up? What are you desiring? What are you trying to feed in your life? Don't think that this is okay and I can, you know, delight in the Lord as well. It's kind of stopping you from delighting in the Lord because it's, it's getting in the way. We take pride in what we can accomplish. Psalm 119.37, turn away my eyes from looking at vanity and revive me in your ways. So we take pride in what we can accomplish in terms of how we look, um, our status in life. It just takes us off focus and the prayer is to revive me, Lord, in your ways. Again, you have to decrease, you have to, that vanity has to go away. You have to die to that. Not that it's easy, it's hard, but that's what is required as believers in Jesus Christ. We make excuses for falling into temptation. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, no temptation, no temptation has overtaken you but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but the temptation will but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. There are no excuses, no excuses based on this passage of falling into temptation. You can't blame whoever. The devil made me do it. Um, it's the situation that I'm in. It's, it's too hard. It's too difficult. It's the way the country is. We can't blame. We can't make excuses because there's always a way of escape. So put your trust and belief in that, even though you don't feel it. We have to trust his word. We allow ungodly desires to rule our lives. Galatians 5.16. But I would say, walk by the spirit. Walk is a lifestyle. It's not just an act. You're walking by the spirit is a lifestyle. Walking by the flesh is a lifestyle. So we want our lifestyles to reflect the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Jesus Christ. And when that happens, we will not carry out the desires of the flesh because again, the desires of the flesh go down as we delight and love God more. Okay, so delayed gratification in the Bible, um, in Luke 4, 1 through 3, um, and also in Matthew 4, this is the temptation of Jesus Christ. And you remember Satan hit him three on three marks. And Jesus resisted instant, instant gratification by choosing delayed gratification. So I'm just going to briefly, I'm not going to read it because I hope, hopefully you remember what the story is, but I'll rehash it a little bit. Remember Satan's three strategies, the lust of the flesh. Satan offered Jesus instant gratification by challenging him to prove his identity when he told him to change the stone into bread. You're hungry. It's, you've been fasting. You need to, you know, prove your identity. If you're the son of God, that's what the scripture says. If you are the son of God, change this stone into bread, prove yourself. And Jesus said to him, it is written, man should not live on bread alone. The second temptation, the lust of the eyes. Again, he says, if you are the son of God, Satan offered Jesus instant gratification by challenging him to bypass the pain and suffering of the cross by immediately possessing all the kingdoms of the world if only he would fall down and worship him. 
Jesus said to him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God in him only. The third temptation was the boastful pride of life where Satan offered Jesus instant gratification by challenging him to use his divine sonship to get God to prove himself. Remember, he said, throw yourself off and see if he will catch you. Jesus answered and said to him, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So I encourage you to go through that passage and just read through it with this viewpoint in mind. So let's talk about the principles of delayed gratification. There are three of them, God's way, God's will, God's way, and God's timing. We're almost there, hang in there. So knowing God's will, our minds must be renewed. We've seen this scripture already. Romans 12, two, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. We must look to God's word. So to know God's will, we must have a renewed mind and we must look to God's word. Psalm 119 to 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Also to know God's will, we must learn from teachers of God's word. Romans 10, 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Also doing God's will, we do God's will when we walk by the Spirit. Remember, I told you it is a lifestyle. Also, we must keep prayer as a lifestyle. Matthew 26, 4 says, keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Keep watching and praying. This sounds like a very long process. <laughs> it's gonna take a long time. This is, will it ever end? Us instant gratification junkies don't like this particular verse because I'll pray for a little bit, but I gotta make something happen. That just makes things worse. But here it says, you keep praying, why? So you do not enter into temptation. So prayers is not just for, oh, someone's sick and we wanna pray for healing, or someone is unsaved and we're pray for their salvation. We have to pray so that we do not fall into temptation. So that should be all the time, right? Mm. Mm. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah. <laughs> we must also deny ourselves, Luke 9, 23. And he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny, him, deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. That is the scripture where we have ourselves up here wanting to gratify our flesh. But at the same time, we want to be these godly Christians. We want to love God more. We want to delight in him more. But we find that I just can't. What's wrong with me? What's going on? Here it is right here. You must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. It's not working. There it is. So another principle is God's way. And let's talk about patience. We must wait patiently. And I like the way this is when it says in Psalms 37, 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Not wait begrudgingly. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. That comparison-itis, 
Don't compare yourself to other people because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Now, patiently means tolerance without becoming annoyed or anxious. So waiting patiently means you're waiting in a way where tolerance, you're tolerating what's going on without becoming annoyed or anxious, and I would add fearful. Also, we must trust God's pace, God's pace, not ours. Second Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. The Lord is not slow about his promises. We are to trust his promises, right? That means we have to wait patiently on it. If he didn't answer in three months or three years, doesn't mean we stop trusting him. It doesn't mean we stop waiting for him. We have to endure. We have to persevere. Sounds like a doctrine, perseverance of the saints. Yes. Okay, uh, peace. We must be thankful. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, why I pointed out we must be thankful. Because being thankful is an attitude of the heart. It is a gratitude in the heart versus gratifying my flesh. This is being thankful. Gratifying my flesh is serving me, give, 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 or take, take. I'm taking, taking, taking so that I will be satisfied. Being thankful is more of giving. It is uh, being thankful and grateful for what God has done. And the last part, guard your hearts and your minds. Remember the instant gratification trap is conflict of heart, mind, and soul. So here your mind is not conflicted when you walk in this way. When you are thankful, your hearts will be guarded. Your minds will be guarded. You will have peace in your mind. We must also love God's law. Psalm 119, 165. Those who love your law have great peace and nothing causes them to stumble. Again, remember the flesh and delighting this part you have to deny. You have to deny your flesh so that you can love his law more. So I, I, I hopefully that's the t main take home that you are getting is that we sin in subtle ways that we don't realize. And it's because of our flesh. And we know this. It's just not in the big, obvious ways that we can point to someone else and say, you're an alcoholic or you're this or whatever. It's like, no, it's, it's the subtleness of us wanting to gratify our flesh. Third principle, God's timing. We must trust that God has a time for everything. Ecclesiastes 3.1 there is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven. He created time in the beginning. He is in control of it. How dare we think that we can control it? Um, it's like ants trying to tell us what to do. Not going to happen. I'll just step on you. <laughs> you know, that's what God can do to us. Also, we must see things as God sees them. 2 Peter 3.8 But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. He controls the times. He can, I mean, amazingly, we can be right here in this time, whatever time it is, and in the next second be 20 years in the future. 
He has that power. Hollywood doesn't only have that power <laughs> to make it happen, but God can really do that. So waiting is also an element. 10 minutes, almost done. Okay, we must seek God. Lamentations 325, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. We must seek the Lord. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. Do we really believe that? Sometimes when something doesn't happen, like a young lady who's wanting to get married, she's hitting that big 3-0, and she's, she's, I'm a virgin, I went to church all the time, I've done youth ministry, why haven't you brought me a husband? And she begins to question the goodness of God. We must also depend on God's promises. Isaiah 40, 31. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. <gasps> These are promises. They will mount up like wings, mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Are you weary? You know, I mean, is it, is it like this world is so evil? Come quickly, Lord Jesus. But we have a purpose here on earth, and we are to focus on what he has called us to do here on earth, and he will give us the energy and the stamina to do what he's calling us to do so that we won't be weary. We will be energized and excited about what he has called us to do. That's the focus. We must wait for the Lord. Psalm 27, 14, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Last example, the prodigal son, I'm just going to read a little bit. So um, it's found in Luke 15, 11 through 25. I'm just going to point out some stuff. You guys know the story. Uh, the younger of the sons asked his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. He wanted it and he wanted it now. And so he took it. The father gave it to him and he went away. And then there was a severe famine uh, that came in the land where he was, and eventually he was becoming desperate, and he thought he was going to die of hunger. Verse 18, I will get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. And what happened when he came back? The father embraced him. And the son said to, the, to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out the best robe. So they celebrated his return. So this is the gospel hope for instant gratification junkies. That when we recognize our sin, that there's opportunity to be forgiven and to be restored. So let's go through the steps. Acknowledgement. Psalm 51.3, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Acknowledgement is simply accepting the truth. It's simply agreeing with God. God, you're right. I'm wrong. I see it now. I'm, I don't have blind spots anymore. I see it. I agree with you. Confession, First uh, John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's just saying, now, yes, this is my sin. I am guilty of the sin of instant gratification. It is affecting my spiritual life. Repentance, Acts 3.19. Therefore, repent and return. So, and this is important, repent and return. I'll talk about that in a minute. So that your sins may be wiped away. 
in order that things of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So if we look at Acts 26, 20, it says that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. So this is the process of repentance. Repentance is not just turn around, walk the other way. It is a change of mind. Remember the mindset situation? Instant gratification is a mindset. Delayed gratification is a mindset. Repentance is changing your mind. God, I'm wrong. You're right. This is a sin. I agree with you. I am going in the wrong direction. That is repentance. But to continue with the process, you do turn from that sin. You can't just say, yes, I know it's a sin. And then you keep doing what you're doing. You have to turn from it. Um, So when we're looking for ourselves to repent or someone else, this, this is the evidence of biblical repentance. As in Acts 26, 20 says, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. Reconciliation. Second Corinthians 5.20, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That is a glorious promise from the Lord is to be reconciled and be acknowledged as an ambassador for Christ, which means then we are useful, which leads into restoration. We are then used. God can use us now. Luke 15, 32, which we just talked about the story, but, but we had to celebrate and rejoice for his, this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live. He was lost and has been found. That is the glory of the gospel that no matter where we find ourselves, no matter how stuck we are, no matter how guilty we are. Yes, I'm guilty. Yes, it's been affecting my Christian life. I haven't been praying because I'm, I'm impatient. Um, I haven't been studying because I can just Google the answer. You know, it's right there. You know, it's it's simple. You're like, okay, I need to look at this as a relationship and have to nurture that relationship. So um, let me pray. And then if you have any questions, you can ask, but I'll pray first. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your grace and mercy and what you have done for us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for allowing him to sacrifice for us because you love us, you care for us, and you are so patient with us that you don't want any of us to perish. Father, we just acknowledge um, any sin that you bring to mind during this conference. There's so many topics um, that are being spoken about. And I pray, Father, that we will find grace as sin is revealed as you are pulling back the layers, um, let us not run from you, but run to you and find that hope in the gospel that you have promised. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for coming. Copyright 2017, IBCD. All rights reserved. More free resources are available at www.ibcd.com dot o-r-g